So let's just talk about that for just a few minutes this morning. And um, I've got a lot of scriptures I'll go through. I, my uncle used to, he, had, he knew them all, so he would just quote them. But I won't. I'll read them because I can't quote them. So I want us to just look at, look at this for a few minutes. And the first thing I want us to consider is that there are four things that are essential unto salvation. Four things. It won't be the four that you're thinking about. But I want us to begin by looking at Christ. Christ is essential to our salvation. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what he's here for. That's what he was here for, to seek us who are lost. In 1 John 2, 2, says, And he, wrong thing, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. That he is the acceptable sacrifice, that he took the, the sins of us upon him and um, of the whole world. And in John 15 and verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And Jesus says, you, without me, you, you're nothing. <laughs> and he's the vine. And we're just the branches. We feed off the vine, if you will. And in Acts chapter 4, in verse 12, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He's the, he's the reason for salvation. The reason is sin, but he is the, the, the cause of salvation because he came to save us, to take our sins away from us. The second thing that's essential unto salvation is the gospel of Christ. In John 15, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. So that word that we have, the gospel, this, this book that we all have, cleanses when we use it and when we live by it. In John 12, verse 48, he says, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The words that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. That we will be judged by these words and by what we do. According to these words, that this is the way it will be and there won't be any changing it. In Romans chapter 1, in verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God's salvation to everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. That the God's word is the power that saves us. So we've got to have it. Or without it, we are lost. And finally on that one, Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, he says. So this is what this, this, this word, this Bible that we have, is the divine word of God and he's teaching us. And he showed us how we can be saved. So that's ultimately important as well.
the third thing of the four that's essential to salvation is the church, the church of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. That Christ is the head of this organization on earth called the church. And he is the savior of the body, that body, that church, his church. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 16, it says, And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. That he has brought together God and the church in one body. We've reconciled, he's reconciled us to him in the body. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, you all know this verse most likely. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That God automatically, once the sins are gone, people are added to the church, and he just, it just, that's just part of it. The fourth thing that's essential for salvation is human obedience. We've got to obey the gospel. We've got to obey the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 36, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Those that do the will of God will receive the promise. So we've got to have endurance. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He's the author of salvation to everybody who obeys. But what about those who don't obey then? There isn't any salvation for those who don't obey. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, says, since, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. So those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ are doomed to destruction, everlasting destruction. Not just a short time, but forever destruction because we've chosen not to obey him. So those are the four things that are essential to salvation. Christ, the gospel of Christ, the church of Christ, and obedience. There are also four other things that are essential to salvation, unto uh, 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 obedience, rather. And we want to look at those, and that's not the way that's supposed to come out. It doesn't look the same on mine. I'm sorry. How am I going to work through? All right. Let's look at Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, where it says that if you confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with, a, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So belief there, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. That's essential to obedience, that we have to have that faith. The next thing 
in Acts chapter 11 and verse 18 is repentance, where it says, when they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance unto life. Repent, that word unto, the Greek word is E-I-S. I'm assuming that would be pronounced ice. I'm not a Greek scholar. But it means that we, it leads to salvation. It's not because of salvation, but it leads to salvation. Repentance unto salvation. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 again. Let's read it again. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confession is made unto salvation. Confession unto leading to salvation. That's all part of obedience. Baptism. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Paul is, Peter is preaching to uh, a group of Jews on the day of Pentecost. And he's told them, you've crucified the Lord in Christ. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he says, here it is. Repent in Acts 2.38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of, the Lord, of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the, unto the remission of sins. For the remission of sins. Not because of. Leading to though the remission of sins. So those are the four things that are essential to obedience. Now in Matthew 28 Verse 19 says, Jesus is telling the apostles, says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You baptize them in the name of, by the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27, he says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You're baptized into Christ. And you've, the New American Standard Version says you clothed yourself with Christ, if I remember correctly. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. We're baptized into one body. And in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We're baptized into his death. So those things, faith, repentance, confession, and baptism are <laughs> essential to obedience. That's part of obedience. Now, I want us to look at what the world says, what man teaches about this. Man says that water baptism is not essential to salvation. They don't believe that. Or they'll say, and they'll say, the only proper subjects of water baptism are those who have exercised a saving faith and are living orderly Christian lives. You see the problem there, don't you? 
saving faith, living orderly Christian lives without being Christians in effect. If water baptism is essential unto salvation, it would constitute works of which one could boast, thus making the void the grace of God. Use this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Water baptism is a work. We're not saved by works. I believe every word of Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I agree with that, 100%. But let's look at another thing then. If you, if you look and in, in read and study scripture, you'll find out that really there's three kinds of works. In a, in, there's our own works of righteousness. In Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, it says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Not of works which we have done. So there is no works of righteousness that we do. Not our own righteousness. There's none. I agree. In Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. He's talking to the, the brethren at Rome. He says, I want my... my Brethren in Israel, I want them to be saved. They have zeal, they don't have knowledge. So there's something wrong with the zeal if it has the wrong knowledge. They're ignorant of God's righteousness and are trying to establish their own righteousness and they've not submitted to God's righteousness. Well, problem in, isn't it? So our own works of righteousness just don't do it. There, is, there isn't anything that we can do to earn our, right, our, our salvation. We just can't do it. There's also the works of the law of Moses. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith, in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh can be justified. So we're not, not justified by works of the law. Jews trying to be, trying to follow the law of Moses are in, a, in big trouble because they cannot follow it 100%. They cannot, they will not not sin. And that's the only way the law could save anyone if you didn't sin. So, by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified because we sin. So, the third kind of works is the works of God's righteousness. 
in Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 3 again, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted, submitted to the righteousness of God. There's man's works of righteousness, but which are futile, but there's God's works of righteousness. That's what we do. That's what we do. And we'll see how in just a minute. We have to submit to the righteousness of God. And essentially is what we have to do. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, talking about God's works of righteousness, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Now what righteousness would he be talking about? God's righteousness, not man's. Whoever does um, uh, the works of righteousness is accepted in every nation, and it's whoever does those, whoever fears him. <clears throat> in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God for salvation, to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. In it, what? For in it, for in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. What it takes to please him is revealed in the gospel. And so when we do that, we're just like Abraham. We're just, we're just shall live by faith. We're living by faith. We're doing what God says do. In, from the power of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Doing what the Lord said do. God's works of righteousness. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he's decided long ago that we have to do what he says do. It's not what I say. It's what he says that we have to do. God's works of righteousness. And in John chapter uh 9 verse 14, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So we've got to do those things while we can. It's ending one of these days. It'll all be over. There won't be anything else to do except stand before him. So let's quick review, short review of the, 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 the bullet points we made. Things essential for salvation, things essential for obedience, and the three kinds of works. Essential for salvation is Christ, the gospel of Christ, the church of Christ, and human obedience. Essential for obedience is faith, repentance, confession, and water baptism. 
in three kinds of works, our own works of righteousness, which don't make it. Works of the law of Moses, which don't cut it. But God's works of righteousness, that's where we are. That's what we have to do. So, using as one thing as an example, so what kind of work is water baptism? Since it's, since it's been designated as a work by the world, so what kind of work is that? In Titus chapter 3, in verse, well, let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. I'm sorry. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He commanded them, You do this. Repent and be baptized, and you'll receive remission of sins. In Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Ananias is telling Saul, who had seen Christ on the road to Damascus, he's retelling the story in Acts 22, and he says, Ananias told him, says, and why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You do that. You obey that. You do that. Next 10, verse 48, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Lord. Uh, then they asked him to stay a, uh, a few days. So he commanded them to be baptized, doing what the Lord said do. So what kind of work is water baptism then? Water baptism is the work of God's righteousness. And the necessity of doing the works of God's righteousness excludes all boasting. We're just doing what he said do. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He's given this, this commission to you, you, you tell it. You go to the Gentiles. You tell everybody, but go to the Gentiles. You'll be my voice. And he says, I've got to do it. I won't, I'm not boasting, but woe is me if I don't. I don't have anything to boast of. I just preach. That's the way it is with us. We don't boast about obeying God. We just do it because woe is me if I don't. So faith, repentance, confession, baptism, attendance, prayer, giving, observing the Lord's Supper, studying God's Word, visiting, winning souls, all of those are part of God's righteousness. Every one of them. It's not me. It's not, I'm not boasting, but I'm obeying. I'm doing what God said to do. Luke chapter 17, verse 10. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. When we do what God says, we do what's commanded. That was our duty. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what he's told us to do, and we do it because we're told to do it. We're obeying God.
Acts chapter 16, verse 31. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Believe. Have that faith. Is it we're saved by grace through faith? Is it this mental thing that, I, 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 yeah, I know who he is, I'm saved. Is that it? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You and your whole household. I think we already see that, that it's not. In Acts 20, verse 32, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God, his grace, which is able to build you up. One of the verses that we see in the Sermon on the Mount, a famous verse. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? How, how is that possible for us to call God Lord? In other words, we're his, he's better than us. He's, we're his subject. How can we call him Lord and not do what he says do? Doesn't make sense, does it? doesn't. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Everything in obedience, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. To do whatever it takes to have my mind right and obey. In James chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, I colored each verse a little differently so it would make it a little easier, just spread it, uh, differentiate between them. James 2, verse 18, it says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our, just, our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So let's talk about these verses just a minute. Someone will say, you have, uh, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith. By my works. The devils even believe there's God. And they tremble. They have that mental knowledge that God is who he is. And they tremble. But they haven't obeyed. The, the demons haven't. 
Was not Abraham our father? But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? That just that mental acknowledgement of God is, if that's it, if that's all there is, it's dead. Was not Abraham my father justified works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Let's look at that. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. This chapter is full of people of faith. It really is. People who obeyed the Lord. Abraham, first of all, obeyed God when he was called to go out of a place where he, which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went not knowing where he was going. He left his home and didn't know his destination. That is amazing. But that's not what he was talking about in this verse right here. In verse 17, it says, By, by faith Abraham, uh, Acts eleven seventeen, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. So here's, God has given him promises of three great ones we know, land, seed, and nation. He says, now offer your son up. So he did. He left, went a, went a journey, and he was about to kill his son, and the Lord stopped him. And in James 2, he says, Was not Abraham my father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? He did what God said do. Do you see it that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? That he did what God said do, and God says at that time in Genesis 22, Now I know. Now I know that you will obey me. That's the kind of faith he's looking for. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Why was it accounted to him for righteousness? He believed God. He did what God said do. Belief was putting to action what God said do. And he was called the friend of God. What if he hadn't done those? Would he have been called the friend of God? I doubt he would. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. That's the only time faith only is used in scripture. And we find that man is not justified by faith only. In Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35 again, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Fear God and work righteousness. So works of righteousness equals God's righteousness. God's righteous works. That's what, that's what we do. And it's not boasting, but it is obeying. It is submitting to God's word and putting my thoughts and my plans in life secondary to what God wants to do. So if you have not obeyed God, 
if you have not done what he says do. Your faith is lacking. It's not a perfect faith, if you will. So if you need to be baptized to have sins washed away, or if you have at some point been baptized and had sins washed away but fallen back into sin and need the prayers of this congregation, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?